0: To another episode of the Better You Podcast. I am your host, Casey Main, and I am so thankful that you are here. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. This is episode 15, which is still a relatively new podcast, but it's a little bit mind-blowing for me. I feel like it was just episode five, and now we are all the way up to episode 15, and I effing love this episode. So in episode 10, we talked about being single with Jennifer Golden of the It's Complicated podcast. And so now I figured it was time to talk about being in relationships. So that is what we are discussing this week. We talked to Dr. Christy Overstreet, who is a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, and founder of Therapy Department, a private practice that provides consulting, training, therapy, and speaking services. Dr. Chrissy spends her days helping people navigate their relationships and identities while growing both personally and professionally. And honestly, this may be my favorite episode yet. I hate to pick favorites because I've loved so many of them, but there is just so much good stuff in here. We talk a lot about boundaries, what they are, how to set them, and how to know the difference between when your partner crosses a boundary versus when it's really just your own issues or or your own stuff that's being triggered. We discuss the importance of understanding your own needs, wants, and desires, and how we can have all of them met in different aspects or relationships of our lives instead of just placing them all totally on our partner, which is essentially setting them up for failure and setting ourselves up for disappointment. We talk about the importance of vulnerability in a relationship and how to practice more vulnerability in your relationship. And she actually gives a very simple way to do that. It's not so much about, you know, sitting down and just spilling your guts to each other. It's a very practical, easy step. And so I just, I love it. We discuss how to figure out if a relationship is right for you and if it isn't, how it's okay to be aware of that, but also not be ready to do anything about it. Like give yourself grace in the process that it is from going to realizing maybe something isn't right for you to actually being ready to do it. And one thing she says that is maybe my favorite part of everything, it's kind of a a small little part, but she talks about how to set your life up to work for you instead of being a victim to life. I just absolutely love that. And I would actually love to have Dr. Christie back on the show to talk specifically about sex since she is a clinical sexologist, which I just think is very cool. And I think that a lot of us have questions or insecurities, or we play kind of these mind games with ourselves when it comes to sex in our relationships from, you know, who initiates it to how often you're having sex. And I just, I don't know how much we really talk about that. So I would love to get all of your questions answered. I promise they will remain anonymous, but if you are up for having Dr. Christie back on the show to talk about sex, then email me whatever questions you have or things you'd like for her to touch on. Just shoot an email over to the podcast at gmail.com. And I'll reach out to her and see if we can have her back on to answer all of your questions. And again, I promise they will remain anonymous except... I will know them, but nobody else will. Um, okay, so without further ado, here is Dr. Christie. <laughs> that's a big question.
1: I know, let's see. Um, I, I'm a clinical sexologist, certified sex therapist, and psychotherapist. And what I do is I work with people on their relationships with themselves and other people to help them create the life that they deserve. So that's one of the biggest areas I work in. And the other area I work in is in gender identities, helping people explore and find out their true selves and live their life out. Okay,
0: that's very interesting. And you live in California. Yeah, I live. But you're clearly not from there, <laughs> from your fabulous southern accent. Right, it sticks out <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah.
1: So I live in Huntington Beach, which is Southern California area, and I've been out there now, this holiday season will be three years, which seems like a long time, but it feels like it was just yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I'm from Georgia. Particularly South Georgia, where is the accents from? Mm-hmm. So definitely, on a daily basis, I get asked to repeat something that people don't understand <laughs> me, or they're like, "Where in the heck are you from?" So, oh, that's funny. Okay, and you have a podcast. I do. Fix Yourself First with Dr. Christie, And so my hope with starting that podcast is all the work that I do individually with people in therapy or coaching. It could be a way to serve more people and get more information out there. Mm-hmm. Because I get a lot of the similar questions and topics that people want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I started the podcast beginning of this year. So it's still very new. But what's interesting is I wanted to start it a couple years back, actually, when I had was working back here in Jacksonville. And I believe it was about 2014, 2015, I started having an idea. And so I even got the artwork put together. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And just with everything happening and the practice and the work, I just couldn't do it. So I put Mm -hmm. it on the back burner. And so it was really neat to kind of come to it and say, all right, now's the time. And it was definitely the right time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I I was listening to your most recent episode this morning while I was getting ready. And you had a... um, a surgeon on yes. from actually who's from Jacksonville yeah, so yeah. I was like "Ooh, I'm like I might <laughs> steal that guest because that was a, that was a great conversation yeah um, okay so clinical sexologist what does that mean well the simplest way to look at it is I work in any
1: area of sex uh, sexual health sexuality sexual understanding and it's really this catch-all phrase of the being able to sit down in that clinical space in a therapy or um, a setting and be able to talk about sex, um, your relationship with sex, your sexual self-esteem, um, whether it's uh, solo or with a partner in relationship dynamics. Mm-hmm. And um, really, it's just a lot of schooling to be comfortable talking about the sex and working on kind of your own thoughts about it, how you feel about it, and making sure that you're able to serve your clients the best way possible.
0: Yeah, that's, um, it is, it's weird that it's still kind of like a taboo mm-hmm. subject and it's like it, it isn't in like the most superficial of senses. Like we've all become Wrong. a little bit desensitized with kind of the amount of sexuality that's now in, you know, mainstream media and songs, and whatever. But I think when it comes to being vulnerable about yes. like our own sex life, mm-hmm. that's where we're still not really in a, like a comfortable space to talk about that.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know that we'll all be able to get to a comfortable space at some point because it brings up, like you said, vulnerability, fear, worry, and that inner critic that comes up when we think about who we are sexually, what we're into, what we like, what we don't like, and especially if it's paired with another person or people, mm-hmm. you know, their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about it can kind of get on us and cause us to shut down and maybe not open up. And, um So, yeah, what I find most is that people ask the same questions. People want to know what's normal and what's not normal, and they want to know, hey, you know, this is my desire level versus my partner's. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Am I broken? Or, you know, I I like sex a whole lot. What's wrong with me when someone else does it? So it's really a lot of Mm myth-busting and helping people just feel comfortable where they're at in that non-judgmental space, but... You know definitely in society we don't talk about it it's frowned upon especially certain areas of the country like it's not okay to to talk about this as openly Mm -hmm. and so i found you know with my own involvement of comfort level even though i'm a sex therapist and i'm being from the south and being a very conservative area of south georgia (laughs) you know i have my own evolution of comfort level and bringing up and talking about even sharing stuff on social media Mm -hmm. i still think oh my goodness what is so and so down the road gonna think if they see this but it's taken time to just say, I don't really care. My, you know, my passion is helping people find better relationships with themselves and others. So that means I can't let maybe my own stuff or worry get in the way. Cause mm-hmm. I'm encouraging people not to let theirs. So I have to do the same.
0: Yeah, no, I, I've experienced that as well. I think I have one blog that kind of touches on sex and I was like freaking out to uh-huh. like press post and put it out right. there because it is, I, I guess you just, you worry how people will react. Yeah. Well, so I love that. I love just your overall kind of take and spin on things Mm -hmm. because, you know, as a a sex therapist like that, yes, it can be a solo act, but typically it's with another person. And then relationships are with another person, Mm -hmm. but you focus a lot more on like the title of your podcast, fixing yourself first and Mm -hmm. like bringing it back to yourself first. So like, how did you how did you come around to kind of choosing that being the theme of your podcast and just realizing like the importance of that because obviously I agree with that
1: (laughs) right well it makes sense Mm -hmm. right and and I guess it evolved over I've been a counselor now for right at 13 years and so what I started noticing was these patterns in the professional sense working with people hey you know what there's all this blame on a partner there's You know, people are struggling to say, what do I need to do? They're blaming other people and they're still unhappy and frustrated because they're not seeing change. So I had that in that professional sense and then I have my whole, you know, life of relationships Mm -hmm. and mess ups and problems and issues like most people do and what I noticed uh, professionally pretty much at the same time as my personal self saying, wait a minute, what do I need to do to be a better partner and to be better in my relationships? And so it was interesting at the same time professionally and personally to kind of grow and say, wait a minute, this concept to Fix Yourself First is so important. That on top of my current partner, Rob, um, you know, as we we're always talking and brainstorming and chatting, and he's such an inspiration. And he was, he was like, hey, you know, what about, you know, what you're talking about is that fix, that doing what you need to do, stop blaming your partner, Mm -hmm. this type of thing. And I said, gosh, that's it. And I'd already had the thoughts about a book of the tips to help specifically women stop, you know, ruining their relationships with stuff that we do that blows them up and self-sabotage. And as that was happening, he's like, that's it. Like, that's your overall theme of all the stuff you're talking about, Christy, is you see this power of when you focus on yourself, you automatically will get some type of change.
0: Yes. In those
1: dynamics. And so... I put the book out there a couple years back with those tips, and with that being said, I thought, well, how can we serve more people? Because a lot of people don't like to read. Right? (laughs) And a lot of people don't have time to read. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it just kind of morphed. I knew I wanted to have a podcast at some point to kind of spread the message, Mm -hmm. and it just lined up. And I was like, that really explains every area, whether it's my speaking coaching counseling therapy training doesn't matter the topic goes back to what do you need to do
0: yes versus waiting on someone else to do it differently so i love that and that was like that was just such a huge realization for me as well of Mm -hmm. kind of realizing huh okay these are my patterns like i'm doing this Mm -hmm. to myself and i'm not sure i had like the the full understanding or really the 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 words to really articulate kind of, you know, that it was like patterns and all that stuff. And, but now I start to see it more and more. So I, I'm, I'm constantly in my personal life yeah, trying to always look back at me of kind of like, okay, why is this triggering me and like try and better understand it and, and kind of, I guess surface those like Mm -hmm. limiting beliefs or negative self-talk or whatever, which I think that that is one of the best things of relationships is that they're going to, they're going to trigger your shit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't be with another person or around another person and not be triggered in some way. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how we respond. And this isn't asking us that we got to be perfect. I screw up all the time. Thank goodness mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but you know, I mess up or say something sideways or maybe say something that's not nice. And so when I, when I do that, I say, hang on a second, I need to do whatever. That was my stuff. It wasn't yours. Yes. I'm sorry. I just dumped that on you. How long day? And, you know, we've been together so long that he's like, it's all right. I didn't even take it personal because I know that's not who you are. So that takes time to evolve. But knowing that we're going to mess up, we're going to screw up. But as long as we're able to see that, catch it, and do something different, that's the ultimate freedom. And I think some people have a misconception when they hear this, fix yourself first. They say, oh, that means that I have to fix myself. That means something's wrong with me. And I respond and say, yeah, probably. Something's wrong with me too. Mm And we're human. Mm -hmm. But... To have complete control is to look inside and do something about it versus trying to control another person. Yes. And that is thank goodness, because
0: I had control of other people, that'd be exhausting. Right. Which is and it's it's kind of impossible. Like all we can yep. control is ourselves. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that we kind of default to this mindset of blaming the other person versus looking inward? And then like, how do you help people start to kind of make that mental shift of instead of being like, well, he's not doing this or she's not doing that to instead of being like, hold on, like what's going inside, what's going on inside me? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we do
1: it by default because we don't want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be the problem because if we do, that means something's wrong with us. And it's our defense mechanism and defense obviously is defend and mechanisms automatic. So we automatically go to defend our ego strength and who we are in our core because we don't want to be hurt and we don't want to have to you know, do something difficult. We kinda wanna get through life the easiest way possible, and if I can Mm -hmm. blame somebody else, that's a lot easier. Yes. And it's not conscious, not saying, oh, I wanna blame, I was just saying my partner, I wanna blame Rob for this. Actually, no, you know, Rob had his behavior or action. I, it's how I respond and what I did with it, my thoughts and beliefs about it. So I think we do that because it's just easier, and we're running 90 miles an hour, and Mm -hmm. we sometimes don't think and get present. So that would be one of the first ways to kinda stop doing that as Mm -hmm. much. And again, we're not trying to be perfect doing it. We're just more days and not trying to do the right thing. So being aware, saying, hey, I'm consciously wanting to work on this. And that may be me saying, hey, Rob, like, if you see me do this or say this, just call me out. And say, hey, look, that's what you're working on. You know, I'm giving you permission to kind of help me flag that if that happens. But I'm not putting it as his responsibility. Mm-hmm. Another thing to do is to start spending some time with yourself doing journaling. I mean, you're a writer. You're a journaler. <laughs> I mean, you've got great prompts out there for writing. So I know you're a big believer in that. When you stop and do that, it gives you that chance to kind of quiet everything around you and go within and decide what you're going to tackle. And one of the excuses some people use is, oh, I don't have time or that's not going to be helpful. And I say, well, you've got, you know, 20 minutes to drive through Starbucks. You've got five minutes in the morning before you, you turn do whatever you're doing to just take a couple minutes and write if it's only one sentence doing something to kind of quiet yourself and go in that space because mm-hmm. that kind of set up your day. But really becoming aware and, you know, saying, I want to do something about that is that
0: first step. Right. And and I, yeah, I can see that, that just kind of that awareness and that understanding or even just that concept of like, hmm, maybe this is actually about me and like what I have going on versus the other person. And, but like what I, I find almost like difficult in my own life of kind of where is that line between going internal and like trying to fix yourself Versus recognizing that someone maybe isn't yeah. treating you correctly or they haven't handled a right. situation correctly. And like, how do you set those boundaries mm-hmm. of, you know, protecting yourself but also, you know, not being the victim and taking ownership right. of like your actions?
1: Right. And that's why if you are doing what you need to do to keep yourself healthy and you're putting up boundaries, which, and we know boundaries is how we teach people to treat us mm-hmm. or not treat us. And so if we've established a boundary to say, hey, it's not okay when this happens. I'm not going to stick around if this happens or be in this space or I'm going to have to go for a walk. This is not okay anymore. And they keep stepping. Let's just say your partner keeps stepping over that boundary or becomes unhealthy. And you say, hey, you know what? I've done all I can do. You kind of sit back and say, I'm giving this opportunity to make a change. I'm going to stay in a healthy place. Can you do that or not? And I know that's a really abstract way to look at it. But. It's saying what's going to be okay and not okay, mm-hmm. and knowing that you're solid in that. And this has got nothing to do with emotions and feelings, because all that stuff is there too. But just the logic of saying, "This is what's going to be all right." The way to treat me, and this is what's not acceptable, and stand by that. I think that's where a lot of people get lost is they use threats, right? And right, if you do this again, and it's you know the fifth time they've done it, and then you know I'm like, "What's going to be different? What are you willing to do different?"
0: Right. Well, so like, how many I guess. opportunities? How many chances should we give somebody to maybe overstep that boundary before we decide like they can't mm-hmm. they can't live within it? you know because everyone is different, and yes. everyone you know is at their own level of kind of awareness right. of their own self work and so you know on one end, like I don't want to judge somebody for where sure. they are, just accept them sure. and and love them for where they are, but then at the same time, it's like if you're if you're trying to set those healthy boundaries and and they overstep, like, is it kind of one time you're gone, or does that vary per person? Well, it definitely varies per
1: person. Mm -hmm. I don't say that as giving a person an out. Like, there's no exact number, so what it has to go back to, and this is the individual nature of it, Mm -hmm. is it affecting you? Is it hurting you? Is it a problem for you? And I do that with any type of behavior somebody brings in. They say, I don't know, is this normal? Is it a problem? Like, is it affecting you? Like, what level is it affecting you? Is it affecting your job? Is it affecting your emotional health? Is it affecting your mental health, your physical health? What is it doing to you? And is it enough for you to say, mm, you know what, that, that's it, I'm good, I can't do it any longer? Or are you still checking your boxes off to make sure you're doing everything you can? Mm-hmm. So with it varying, I really take it to each individual to say, how bad is it affecting you? And you're going to know when enough's enough, but to be brave enough to explore that and decide, do you want to take a step in the direction or not?
0: Right, I guess part of that is really understanding i you know why it's affecting you the way that it is because this is where I think it can come back to if someone is like triggering in me kind of my own issues from right. like past relationships but they're not technically doing anything yes. wrong. Like, maybe uh-huh. I've set an unnecessary boundary because I've got issues from yeah. the past. So it's like I don't know, I think it can get confusing to try and navigate mm-hmm. all of that. So like how do you mm-hmm. how do you help people do that?
1: Well, that can be tough, right? Because it can get confusing and thinking and boundary. What am I feeling? What am I doing? What are they feeling and they're doing? Is this their stuff or my stuff? But having, definitely talking with someone who's not emotionally attached with you mm-hmm. is great. Talking with mm-hmm. someone, the a therapist or someone to, or a coach to help kind of work through this. The also thing is, talking maybe with a friend that says, what do you see happening? Like, give it to me straight. Be, you go to that friend that's gonna deliver you honesty, not the one that's gonna just trigger code it and be mm-hmm. nice to you. To get someone outside yourself to ask them what they think they see happening. Mm-hmm. That can be very helpful. And like you said, doing that own exploration of, what are my triggers? If my triggerness is loneliness, and it starts my cycle to go, okay, I'm lonely, therefore I feel abandoned, therefore I'm never gonna be loved, or I'm never gonna feel enough. And you're not permanently lonely. You're just lonely right now. What is that about? And you can stop that cycle, because we all have our own cycles, Mm -hmm. to stop and say, do I want to do something about this, versus jumping in that spiral of abandonment and I'm unworthy and and going in that space. So stopping that as soon as possible is really important. And drawing out your cycle will help that.
0: Yeah. And it's there's like layers of cycles, aren't there? Yeah. So I've seen that in my own life that I had you know, I had all these kind of triggers of not being made a priority. So mm-hmm. like I was in a relationship about a year ago and he, you know, it he did nothing wrong, but right. like it triggered in me like, you don't care. I'm not a priority. Yes. And I like flew off the handle. And then I recognized that. So I'm like, okay, that's clearly a trigger and kind of right. did the work to get through that. And that was a process. But now I've realized like, now I've got almost like deeper triggers and I don't even really know what they are. They're like, they're much more subtle. So I think uh-huh. This process of, like, fixing ourselves right. is, like, a multi-layered right. process.
1: Right. And that not feeling a priority, and when it happens for, a, you know, not just, like, one or two times, when it happens for a period of time, that it's enough that it becomes, you know, that it touches that self-worthiness, which yes. is like a core issue. If it kind of goes enough where it falls into that, it can be really difficult to discern and say, you know, do I know when I'm getting triggered in this? What is this about? Is this really happening, or am I getting triggered? And then what do I do about that? Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of able to trace it backwards. To see, oh, this happened here and here and here. From childhood, this happened here. And sometimes when you see that connection, just that awareness can help you recognize a little quicker. But kind of going through it, you know, one layer at a time. And unfortunately, sometimes you're not going to know until you're in the experience, right? Mm -hmm. And until you're like, oh, crap, this is connected to that. I get it now. That's why we're always evolving and learning. Right. And none of us are expected to be perfect.
0: Right. And I just, like, I think that awareness is so key. Um, It's kind of like that whole... um, Name it to tame it thing like right. as soon as you see it mm-hmm. then it's no longer like bigger than you and you're not yes. so close to it that it's that you're like engulfed in it and it's kind right. of more like oh okay, I see what's happening there uh-huh. all right so talk a little bit about how that then plays into like expectations for our our significant other because um, I know you have your your 21 tips to improve your relationship that you can get on your website and one of them is that I just loved. Was don't expect your partner to be your everything.
1: Ooh, that's a big one. Sorry, yes. I'm
0: jumping out. I mean, because I, I, we're not taught that. Mm-hmm. We're taught almost the opposite, especially if you look at yeah. like the romantic comedy and mm-hmm. even like the freaking Disney yes. movies we all grew up with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're taught that, and that kind of goes into our, you know, unconscious that that's that's what we're supposed to expect. They're supposed to meet every one of our needs. And some people say, well, of course no one can, com- you know, meet every one of our needs, but the same person still expecting that to happen. They may not realize that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the quicker we realize that we have to meet a certain number of needs, our friends meet our, you know, we have these different aspects of ourselves. You know, we have our emotional self, our sexual self, our spiritual self, our physical self, our relationship self. Um, our personal self, you know, just to name a few. And there's all these different buckets that we need to be reaching into and working on that fill us up versus just that relationship self. Because Mm -hmm. if we, if we do that and have that expectation, we're going to get disappointed every time. Mm -hmm. And that is a big problem in relationships because if I put that expectation on my partner, he can't deliver. He's going to fall short, which means I'm going to get triggered and frustrated, angry and mad and, you know, act crazy or whatever comes up because of something he failed to meet that was, you know, realistic, unrealistic in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so just saying, hey, you know what? I don't expect you. Here's what I do need you. And here are the realistic expectations I have of you. I expect you to be, you know, we're in a, you know, committed relationship. So I expect loyalty, trust, um, communication, intimacy, connection, you know, working through crisis. But none of that's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And so I think when people
0: realize
1: that I don't have to get that from somebody else, it takes a lot of pressure off both people.
0: I I love that way of looking at it of kind of, okay, like, look at your your bigger needs for all your different, like, versions of self, like you Mm -hmm. said. And then, okay, where are those being met or in, like, in what type of relationships? And really help you narrow down, like, what you're expecting out of your significant other. I think that can be really helpful for people who are single and in the dating world too, because, you know, you tend to have this, all these like boxes you want to check. And a lot of times they're, they're surface level. I want them to have a good job. I want him to, you know, that kind of stuff, which is also kind of programmed into us versus if you looked at it in a deeper level, then I, I don't know. I feel like maybe you'd have a whole different, a whole different view of like your selection criteria, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's a good point if we did that on that level or even maybe found that balance Mm -hmm. of both because... You know everyone wants security and with security comes maybe it's not a great job but maybe it's a consistent job that makes in meets that's security mm-hmm. and then there's a potential for other you know opportunities in that space so kind of balancing that out because it's alright to have hard limits right of what you're going to be okay with and not because you have to know you know what you're looking for but when you set up to be unrealistic you're going to constantly be disappointed and you're probably gonna hurt people in the process
0: right Okay, another one that I love on this list. Before we move into some of your blogs, which I also loved, was practice being vulnerable with your partner. And I think this is a hard one for a lot of people. And I'm going to assume, and maybe this is wrong, but especially men, and and even even women who you know maybe have been hurt along the way, and we've got our own walls and, and defense sure. me- mechanisms. But like, how do you go about practicing being vulnerable with your partner, like? in real life? Well, the first thing they can do, and
1: people don't always associate it with vulnerability, but the easiest way to be vulnerable, which is also the toughest, is to apologize. Mm. To just say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said it that way. Or, you know what, I didn't think about you when I went to get coffee. I was only thinking about myself, and sorry, that's just where I was at. You're vulnerable because when you say, I'm sorry, it means that, hey, I did something that wasn't great. And you lower your wall for the partner to come back and say, yeah, you should be sorry. You are being, you know... Uh, a jerk. And so you when you say you're sorry, there's potential to get hurt. But when your partner says, no problem, it's okay, you're practicing vulnerability.
0: Oh, so I love that analogy because, yes, you are bringing your wall down yes. and giving them an opportunity almost to, like, overstep a boundary. Yes.
1: Yeah. So that's I think that's the ultimate vulnerability that people don't often connect that with because it also doesn't just help improve uh, the ability to be connected in that space, but it greatly improves trust. Mm -hmm. And it's all on an unconscious level. If I say I'm sorry or I messed up and my partner doesn't come, you know, uh, attacking me for it, that makes me trust him a little bit more. And so we know that trust and intimacy are in tandem. So when that trust goes up, that intimacy and connection is going to follow right behind Mm -hmm. us. So we're going to be, you know, improving, let's just say, our crisis intimacy. When something goes wrong we're able to talk about it and not attack each other through the process, we're going to be more trusting and intimate with one another. Mm -hmm. So that's one way that vulnerability, the biggest way that I think couples can, or individuals even in any kind of relationships that want to improve vulnerability, if they would just start saying, I'm sorry more, I screwed up. And if your partner tells you that, you know, being gentle with them through the process, that can make a big impact. Yes.
0: Okay. I love that. But like what I, what I do think, or at least I saw in my prior years and maybe this is just immaturity in relationships but once you do start to build that like trust and closeness and intimacy with somebody at least i always seem to be then at risk of like losing myself in that relationship mm-hmm. and kind of going back to what we talked about earlier yeah. like you're starting to then put like all your eggs in one one basket instead right. of like spreading out your needs and so like, talk a little bit about, I know you have a great blog article on that and like how to avoid losing yourself in a relationship. And I just, I mean, I did that time and time again before yes. I, I realized that pattern. Well,
1: it can happen so fast. We don't realize it because we feel like we're doing what's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting yourself, your needs, your wants, desires behind the other person more days than not. That's the problem, Mm -hmm. and notice it's not a, if you're doing this than this, it's more of a you knowing what your wants, needs, and desires are, and if you're subjugating those and putting those way behind your partners and not speaking up for your needs, wants, and desires, that's a problem, and that can lead to some codependency, right? where you don't have that independent space to be you, and how your partner reacts affects how you react. Mm -hmm. When your partner does this, then you're gonna do that to try to make it better, and you're continuing to put yourself last. And you realize, wait a minute, you know, this isn't good for me at some point. So when you kind of go to that space of, well, it's what we're supposed to do as a partnership. But a partnership means there's two people or if it's more than whatever type of relationship dynamics you set up. If that's happening, that's not a partnership anyway. Mm-hmm. It's all it's one directional. And it has to be give and take, not 50-50 because 50-50 don't work all the time. You know, it can be 60-40, 70-30 and kind of moving back into um, but I think the the thing is people find themselves in these codependent relationships where they even realize it mm-hmm. because they feel like they're doing the right thing.
0: Yes. And I think I lived in that space mm-hmm. for a long time. And now what I see in and even just like kind of in, in friends relationships is then, you know, it might not be the other person's fault that yes. you've become, that you've lost yourself in that yes. relationship. So, you know, it kind of goes back to that, I guess, understanding of yourself uh-huh. and your own needs. But then, like, how do people, I guess, how do people ensure that this doesn't happen? Right. So the first question to ask yourself is, what are my needs? Whatever the relationship, is it
1: a friendship, family, or a personal? What are my needs in this relationship? What do I need from it? Um, What do I desire from it? What do I want from it? And you have to have a clear understanding. Look, it can be different week to week. That's all right. you got to just know something that you want. Mm -hmm. And the problem is in those unhealthy relationships, people don't realize what they want or need. Yes. And they have no way to identify what their wants and needs are. So to ask yourself, what are my needs, wants, and desires from this relationship? Am I getting that? Oh, no, I'm not getting that. Okay. What's leading me to not get that? Not Why? What's leading me to not get that? Okay, well I'm noticing that when I call my friend um, to get some support, you know they don't have a lot of time. I know they're busy. They've got, you know, six kids. They don't have a lot of time. But when they reach out to me, I'm always there for them, and I talk as long as they need. And I feel good because I'm giving to that friend, mm-hmm. but I'm not, it's not reciprocal. Mm-hmm. So wait a minute. What do I need to do? Do I need to say, hey, friend, like, I really could use some support. Do you have some time available? Ask for that need. Let them know what you need because your friend may have no idea. Right. Or you know, maybe sometimes where you need to say, actually, I can't take the call. I need some time, you know. I, I'll catch back up with you when I can. You may need to set a boundary. So, you have to know what your needs are, wants, and desires, and give yourself grace that they're going to change mm-hmm. all the time. It's just what it is. But when you can't identify those, that causes a lot of
0: problems. Well, I think that's a great, that's another great exercise to kind of do and like write it down because yes. I think sometimes when we think about all of this, you know if you if you kind of just in your mind sort of like okay like what are my needs wants or desires and then like is this person like checking that off right. or like where am I getting all those it's hard to like it's hard to keep track of all of that and it's yes. hard to really see yes. like the gaps yes yeah you have to write it down again that's
1: why I really appreciate all the work that you're doing the resources that you put out there through your website the writing the prompts Putting stuff on paper is so important. And even if you're typing it in your phone or computer, just get it out in some way. Mm -hmm. Because our brains go so quick all the time, and we are in content overload. So it's impossible. When someone says all the time, they say, Oh, well, Chrissy, I I don't have time to write it down. And I say, Okay, well, then you don't want to change it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you want to do something about it, you have to write it down in some form because your brain's not going to remember this in five minutes. And so it's really important to get that out.
0: That's true. And, I mean, that goes down, I mean the concept of writing, the importance of writing stuff down goes into like goal setting, like taking wow. meeting notes. Like we, we allow that in like all other aspects of mm. our life, except when it comes down to kind of figuring ourselves out. And I yes. wonder is part of that almost a, a hesitancy to be vulnerable, even with ourselves mm. and like honest with ourselves. Like, do we, do we have that same issue with vulnerability when it comes to just analyzing ourselves? I think on an unconscious level, yes. Mm -hmm. I do not think it's a conscious or a Mm -hmm. semi-conscious.
1: You know, we don't realize that that might be a part of what it is. I think it goes to that it's so common for us to say, I I don't have time for me. I have to take care of everybody else, and um, I have to do for everybody else and do my schedules pack. I don't have time to do this. Mm -hmm. But if people will take, get up 15 minutes earlier, everyone can spare 15 or 30 minutes early in the morning. Sorry, you can
0: or that statement though that really triggers people like mm-hmm. people do not respond yep. well to mm-hmm. to that right
1: uh so i think one of the reasons it triggers is because people are already like i said content overload schedule overload mm-hmm. i don't have time i need my sleep well then you got to figure out how to get to bed 15 or 30 minutes earlier mm-hmm. to do that that means you have to look at your life and the way you're setting up where are you wasting time are you spending you know 30 minutes on Facebook. If you could not do that one day a week, that could give you time. Right. You know, doing that and setting your life up to work for you versus being a victim to life. Now, that means saying that life controls me. Um, I have no choice. I'm doing all this stuff. No, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that triggers people because that's how we're set up to be this hyper productive people
0: that we end up being non productive because we're not working smarter, we're just working harder. Right, and and even just that, you know, if you're going to admit, oh, okay, yeah, I am, you know, I'm spending 20 minutes a day on Instagram or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, then that, that ties back to, like, then you're admitting you're it's, not perfect, that you're wrong right. in some way of how you're planning right. your day. Okay. Right,
1: Well, and I do want to say, like, I'm all for, you know, get on social media. It's a great way to de-stress sometimes, meaning to just mm-hmm. kind of blow off steam and not think about your own stuff and just scroll. Problem is, too, though, it does cause a lot of the comparisons, and we know, you know, reality versus social media is totally different. We all know that. But it can be good for connections. It can also be inspirational. It can be motivating. So there's some good to it as well. And I want people to get on there and do what they need to do. However, don't you know use excuse that you don't have ten or fifteen minutes to work on you. Mm -hmm. That's where the unconscious fear comes up. Okay. Right? And most of our lives are dominated by fear. And like, well, I'm not going to have enough time or what if I stop and do this, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And if people continue to be dominated by fear, they're not going to grow the way they want to grow.
0: Oh, yes. I I agree. It's easier said than done sometimes. But okay, so let's say that we are aware of our needs and we're making sure we're meeting those in different areas so that we're not in any kind of a losing ourselves in the relationship. And, you know, we're setting our healthy boundaries with our partner and, you know, maybe they're continuing to overstep or maybe it's just every now and then, like sometimes I think still it's just not the right relationship for somebody. So how, how does one go about, kind of trying to separate themselves a little bit to analyze their relationship and make sure that it is an overall healthy relationship that is making them happy.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, the biggest thing someone has to do is to take the time to get outside themselves Mm -hmm. and look down on it, you know, from an elevated view. And that's where therapy or coaching or counseling is so important. It shuts out everything around you. It enforces you if you decide this is what I want to work on in that space to do. Or... Going away. I know you are great with retreats, right? Taking yourself on the retreats. I, I was with...
0: good in the beginning of the year, oh. I'm lost. I'm lost. but I've loved That's okay.
1: You're evolving, yeah. you're not perfect with it. No one is. It was is. a lofty goal. Yes, but it was a good goal. I remember that for an interview, yeah. and it was a great idea. Um, you know, not everyone obviously has the ability to do that at times, but just saying, Hey, what do I want to work on in this? Let me take an honest look. Maybe I do that by writing a letter to myself. Mm -hmm. Dear Christy, I'm not sure what I'm writing this letter about, but I need to take a look at this relationship for me. Mm -hmm. What are my pros and cons? What am I feeling? To kind of explore that, you know, and it's okay too, depending on where your relationship's at to say, Hey, I need to figure this out. I need to take some space. I need to go away for the day or the night or the weekend, or I need Mm -hmm. to go to the park for two hours. And go, look at this. It's really important to do that, especially if the relationship is advancing, especially if you notice it's advancing at a really quick rate Mm -hmm. and you're feeling pressured, you better slow it down and make sure you're doing what's going to be best for you. And the thing about it is, is not to overthink it either because that's super easy.
0: Right. It's such like a, it's a, it's a hard line to walk of like productive reflection on it versus just like freaking yourself out. Yeah
1: that's why I'm a big believer in the pro and con list because when you make a pro and con list you can't argue with it and you say something as simple as Stay in the relationship, pro and cons. Underneath that, leave the relationship, pro and cons. Mm. And you really take time to honestly dump out your thoughts and all that. And the end goal is not to say, okay, I've got seven here and three here. I must go with the one that's got seven. It's more to see what feeling and emotions come up. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, you likely will say, hey, you know what? I'm, when I'm putting this, I'm thinking, well, maybe now is the time or maybe now is not the time then take in another month do it again because we're changing and evolving mm-hmm. and you
0: can't overthink when you make it that list as you know mm-hmm. with writing yes but that does require that you be very honest with yourself yes yeah yeah which i think can be can be difficult cuz i i know that like in in some of my relationships in my 20s it's like on some deep level like i knew it wasn't working but i I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do anything about it. So I imagine like there's just kind of making those big decision decisions and like from, you know, you're aware of your stuff or you're aware of issues in the relationship to getting to the point of actually making changes. Right. Like, I imagine that's a process.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the fact that you, in your 20s, realize that, you know, it's a great relationship, but something's not working. Mm-hmm. You're more than me. I didn't even have that insight. I thought everything's working <laughs> all the time,
0: right? So well, that's my good. relationships were <laughs> very obviously, like, maybe not the greatest situation.
1: So. <laughs> oh, that's probably for a whole other show. We're yeah. That <laughs> yeah. But I hear you. I hear you on that. Um, with that being said you know to to get that insight can be really hard because you have to be honest with yourself and Mm -hmm. the difference in seeing it and taking action kind of the middle gap is to say am i doing everything i need to do am i checking all the boxes have i done all i can do Mm -hmm. and again have i fixed these areas that i want to fix the best that i can right going back to because you can only control yourself yes Yes. and then you have to look and say your partner's not going to change if they're not showing action, it's not happening, it's highly likely they're not going to change. If you've changed and done everything the best of your ability to live a healthy life and put health into the relationship and there's no movement on their end, there's mm-hmm. your answer. And I think mm-hmm. what happens, especially when we're in love and care or we got long relationships so we have ties to families and friends and all mm-hmm. that, it's harder to leave those because sometimes it's the more fear of disappointment and what other people are going to think versus what we're really feeling and we have we stay in relationships for other people on yes. the outside. But when you look at that and say, they're not going to change, am I going to be okay with that? And let that help you figure out that final decision. Mm. But one of the things of checking your own box is saying, did I do everything to make sure I communicated that to them, what I needed, what, I, what I'd what i like to see happen with them, what I need from them. Right. Because you have to do that before you can kind of take those steps. I love that. Yeah.
0: So kind of make sure you've you've done your work in terms of your identifying and understanding like your own Mm -hmm. triggers, but then also like setting the healthy boundaries and then just really, and and first of all, being honest with yourself about all that, but then really looking at the other person and, and having that conversation with yourself, like, are they changing? Is there movement there? And if not, like you said, are you going to be okay with that? And if there is like, is that movement big enough or fast enough for, for me to be okay with it? Because Mm -hmm. I, I do believe that people can change, but it's it's the same way that we can change. Yes. Like only if you're willing to yep. work on yourself and you can't necessarily force someone to want to work on themselves. And so right. sometimes you might see that potential in them, mm-hmm. but they're not there yet, which I know I've experienced that in prior relationships. Yeah. And I think that can be, very difficult, especially as a, as a woman, because we can, we tend to have these very like nurturing natures. So it's like you want to bring out that best in somebody that you see in them. Yes. But it's kind of like, if they don't want to do it, right. It's not the reality.
1: Right. And them not wanting to do it. Maybe them not wanting to do it. Maybe they don't have the insight. Maybe they don't realize it. And maybe they're not in that space to want the relationship. And I think that's another thing that we're not taught is that We're not taught that a relationship can be great and not work out, meaning I really feel two people have to cross paths at the exact same time, want the exact same thing, and commit to the exact same thing for a relationship to work out. Mm -hmm. Because I've had so many near misses in relationships where it was like, oh, this is great, it's light, it's long-term, and it just didn't work out because Mm -hmm. we were not in the same space. And that's why I'm so grateful for my partner today because we – you know, had our issues at the beginning, we finally kind of got lined up and said, hey, this is what we want to, you know, we want that commitment. It was able to last. Uh, I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed over the last couple years since the book came out with the Fix Yourself First is that I now have people reaching out for help and coming in for support and they'll say, I need to fix myself. Mm -hmm. I want to come in and work on this. And really before that, a lot of folks were just, okay, I need, I know I need to do something. I don't know what I need to do or You know, my partner's driving me nuts or I'm dating this jerk or whatever that is. People Mm -hmm. are coming in with that. I need to fix myself. And that's really incredible to have that insight
0: and to be able to be vulnerable to do that. Yes, I love that. And I I agree that I think that relationships are so much about timing. And it's funny because we we always hear that and we like talk about that. But Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I ever really fully understood that until now. But Mm -hmm. I think another element to that is so maybe you meet and the timing is great in terms of like where you are and your yep. self-awareness and everything. Mm-hmm. But then I think if one person is working on themselves more than the other, then there can start to be a little bit of a, of a disconnect. So I think yes. if if you're in kind of this, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, more of this like growth mindset of I want to yes. understand myself and better myself, but your partner isn't, mm-hmm. that's that can create its own set of issues. Yeah. Absolutely it can.
1: And that's where it really causes you to maybe even bring up some fear because, you know, getting drowned in the what ifs. What if they don't change? What if they don't want to work on themselves? What if I outgrow them? What if, what if, what if? if? And a lot of those are valid because it is likely you may outgrow them. And that's why you kind of go inside, look, am I doing everything I need to? Have I... Clearly verbalize to them what I needed. Do they know what I need, desire? Or are they just refusing to do it?
0: There's my answer. Right. You know. That's so almost kind of like the same process yep. of figuring out like yes. your past and your present, but also about the future yep. of like being clear mm-hmm. about I want to continue to work on me, work right. on the relationship, and and making sure they understand that and are on board. And if they're not. Like, are you okay with that? Right. And just saying, am I going to be okay with this?
1: And it's okay to say, you know what, I, I'm not okay with it, but I'm not ready to make a decision on a relationship right now. Okay. Well, there's your answer. Yes. You can always go back to it. And, and you know, some people, they'll say, well, Christy, what, what do I need to do? Do I need to leave? I'm like, I have no idea. You know, let's talk about it. Are you wanting to leave? Are you ready to leave? Do you understand what that's going to mean? Um, mm-hmm. What do you think it might look like when you do? Let's talk about what that future is going to
0: look like. And are you ready to do that? I love that because I feel like that's that's so important that we are allowed to say this isn't working, but I'm not ready to do anything about it yet. It's like for some reason we attach that admission to action. And it's like I feel like if I had been aware of that in my yes. earlier relationships, it wouldn't have negatively impacted so many of my other relationships because right. I would have been able to be honest with myself and those people and been yes. like, I know this isn't right. I'm not ready to do anything about it yet. Right. And we, I don't know why we have such an issue mm-hmm. of like saying those two kind of opposing mm-hmm. things. I guess it ties back to then we're, we, we feel like we're admitting weakness.
1: Yeah. Well, and fear.
0: Because, you know, and this
1: is the other unconscious level. If I say this isn't working, my goodness, does that mean something's going to happen? Like, I'm I'm worried about putting it out into the world that it's not working. I'm worried mm-hmm. about being judged. What if, you know, what if I disappoint people and everything else that comes up with it? But it's okay to just kind of roll over and play the dead sometimes. Yeah. And just sit where you're at. And, hey, I mm-hmm. promise it'll come up again. If if it's not working, it, it don't worry. It will come visiting again very soon. So sometimes you just have to kind of put a pause, put on the back burner. Take a time out for yourself to say, I'm going to revisit this when I, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And to kind of give, your, and
0: that's where it's giving yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Grace to just be. Yes. And, and that's all right. Yes. Okay. I love it. Oh, this is so much good stuff. Okay. <laughs> so I want to end with, um, I'm big on just kind of like, you know, the first step because that's mm-hmm. really kind of mm-hmm. the only step we can tackle. So um, two questions for you. For somebody who is in a relationship that they're they're happy and it's a good rela- relationship, like what's one step they can take to make it even better And then for somebody who is maybe starting to question if their relationship or has been questioning for a while, if their relationship is working for them, like what's one step they should do or can do to kind of help get a better handle on, on that situation. So for the first one, the relationship is
1: going really good and you want to take it to another step or keep it improving, start saying thank you more, Mm. start expressing gratitude from the smallest things to the biggest things. And what we do when we do that, we teach our partner how to treat us as well. Because when we do that, especially as a healthy, uh, moving in a healthy direction relationship, your partner's going to say unconsciously, hmm. And then they're going to start thinking and be more grateful for you as well. And you're not doing it in that space, you're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because with the business of the world, we don't stop and just. Be thankful or grateful or the tiniest thing can go a long way. That's one of the biggest issues unhappy relationships have is they don't express gratitude to one another. Mm-hmm. So up in the gratitude, up in the thankfulness is a big one. For the relationship that, where they're just starting to question or they know it's not great but they're trying to figure out, okay, what's the first step to do? Uh, the first step would be to listing out what are my needs, wants, and desires, mm-hmm. writing them down, listing them out. And then going back to that list and saying, have I talked with my partner about these? Have I clearly stated, here's what I'm thinking, needing? And maybe have I also asked them what their needs and desires are. It's a great way to have communication. And that'll tell you a lot if they're ready to say or talk with you about that. Or if they're like, hey, I want to talk with you, but I'm not quite there yet. I think that says a lot. Mm-hmm. But just listing those out and knowing what they are for yourself for this relationship or another one is really important. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you've already done this and you've already listed this out and you already know your wants, needs, and desires, the next step would be to do the pro and con
0: list mm-hmm. just to kind of help see where you're at. I love those because they're very just practical, mm-hmm. like, Real life to do's like here, yes. do this is not conceptual. That That's amazing. Thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can follow you, listen to your podcast, all of those things. Sure,
1: they can find me at com or on Instagram or Facebook. And um, the podcast, Fit Yourself First, Dr. Christy, is on all the podcast players. And so I appreciate you having me on. Thanks.
0: Great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate your work and all that you do. Thank you so much. And you guys definitely go um, check out her website. If you sign up for her emails, you get this great list of 21 tips to improve your relationship. And she's got all kinds of great blogs and check out her podcast. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Dr. Christie. I just, I love all of her insight and that was just such a great conversation. And again, if you want to have Dr. Christie back on the show to answer all your questions about sex, then let's see if we can do that. Email me your questions at the podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see if we can get her back on to answer all of those. If you are not already, please follow the podcast on Instagram at the Better You Podcast and please check out my book. It is titled I Gave Up Men for Lent The Story of a Jaded, Hopelessly Romantic, Health Conscious Party Girl Search for Meaning. You can find more information about it on my website, CaseyMain.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please send it to a friend or two or 12. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and click subscribe on whatever app you are listening to this on. And go ahead and please give me a rating and write just a short review that helps a lot in terms of visibility for the podcast as I really am trying to grow this so that I can keep doing it because I'm really, I'm enjoying it and I just, I love bringing all these great conversations to all of you. So thank you so much and have a wonderful day.